I'm Elizabeth Esty for the Emergency Medical Minute, bringing you an episode today on the state of COVID testing in the United States. It's drilled into every medical student that you shouldn't do a test if the results won't change what you do. So why test for COVID? After all, there's no proven treatment. The answer is all about public health. Advanced nations with prepared, coordinated public health system test widely, isolate contagious individuals, and, most important in early stages of a contagion, trace every known contact of infected individuals to stop the spread. Nations who don't test, isolate, and contact trace end up with little fires everywhere. And there's no putting out little fires of COVID everywhere if you can't see them. Currently, we are experiencing the terrible consequences of the United States' failure to test for COVID throughout the first months of this pandemic. There are no good excuses for this failure. Sure, maybe, sort of, this is not the time to point fingers and assign blame, but we need experts who can do math and who believe in science to be leading public health efforts right now so that the testing debacle of the last eight weeks doesn't become a chronic, deadly public health failure. Dr. Robert Redfield, the director of the CDC, was first made aware of the severity of the public health situation in China on January in a telephone conversation with his Chinese counterpart. Despite being debriefed on the dire situation in China, as the disease spread in Wuhan in the early months of the pandemic, only about five to ten minutes were spent discussing testing strategies at government meetings. Most of the talk focused on how to limit travel from China and how to extract Americans stuck on COVID cruises. Rather than accepting the tests being offered by the World Health Organization, in February, the CDC developed its own test for COVID-19. The CDC test used three small sequences to identify the viral genome of the novel coronavirus, one more than the test the WHO was distributing. The CDC thought that that third chunk of SARS-CoV-2 genetic material would make their tests more accurate, but that third step proved problematic and resulted in a halt in testing. This throttled testing capacity limited our ability to track spread in mid-February, a crucial point in the timeline, according to public health officials. The CDC was unable to conduct community surveillance and track early cases as a result. Community transmission in Seattle was confirmed in late February, and contact tracing was deemed impossible at this point. Another barrier in this time frame was the FDA's continued enforcement of strict regulation on novel testing platforms. Even after FDA Director Stephen Hahn instituted emergency use authorization protocols on January 31st, biotech companies and private universities interested in research and testing felt that there was just too much red tape surrounding the approval of testing. A French diagnostics company, BioMerieu, developed a point-of-care test called BioFire that gives results in 45 minutes, but was stalled in receiving emergency emergency use authorization until just a few days ago. The White House repeatedly downplayed the severity of COVID-19 even after the World Health Organization declared it a pandemic. Despite issues with the in-house test at the CDC, Dr. Redfield continued to reassure the administration and the public that they were able to test cases early and that the test problems would be solved shortly. The wait for reliable testing supplies continued. Of note, the first case of COVID-19 in South Korea was confirmed less than 24 hours after that in the United States, and the stark contrast in testing response is worth describing. 
Unlike the United States, South Korea quickly began testing its citizens using kits from the World Health Organization, while the U.S. opted to use the aforementioned error-prone test from the CDC. South Korea strictly followed the WHO's recommendations, performing nearly 75,000 tests in February, compared to just 352 in the United States. South Korea encouraged social distancing and performed robust contact tracing. Approximately 50 days went by before the U.S. adopted more robust and adequate testing measures. We're now seeing the extent to which the virus was allowed to spread during that time period. Dr. Nahid Badilia, the medical director of the Special Pathogens Unit at Boston University School of Medicine, was quoted in the New York Times saying, testing is the crack that split apart the rest of the response when it should have tied everything together. It seeps into every other aspect of our response, touches all of us. The delay of the testing has impacted the response across the board. South Korea began by using World Health Organization tests. They have been very active in developing their own and, in fact, are offering tests to the United States. States. In the U.S., the medical device company Abbott received emergency use authorization from the FDA on the 27th of March for their ID-NOW point-of-care molecular testing platform to perform COVID-19 tests. Their platform is already a leader in point-of-care molecular testing, being used now for flu A and B, strep, and RSV, and there are currently already 18,000 Abbott devices in use across the country. ID now is capable of providing positive results in five minutes and negative results in 13 minutes and is housed in a box the size of a toaster. The size of this platform allows it to be used outside of large hospital or university labs and the speed of tests is expected to drastically improve the ability of the U.S. to scale up testing capacity. Abbott expects they'll be able to process 50,000 tests a day from their platform. They also received emergency use authorization for SARS-CoV tests on their M2000 real real-time platform, which uses PCR technology to identify viral genetic material. There are currently over 175 of these systems in use around the country at larger labs and universities, and each system is capable of running 470 tests a day, with results given in 24 hours. Between these two platforms, Abbott expects to be able to run about 5 million tests per month once production is scaled. United Biomedical has developed an antibody test for SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19. It's currently employing their test on all 8,000 residents of Telluride, Colorado. Remember that one once someone has been infected with SARS-CoV-2, within a week or so, their body will start to produce antibodies specific to the virus. Telluride was chosen as a pilot site partially because it's the home of co-CEO Meme Hu and partially because they're a rural mountain community that has limited access to healthcare services. The closest hospital to Telluride is 65 miles away, and the medical center in Telluride simply doesn't have the resources to deal with a massive outbreak. United Biomedical hopes to start using their test in larger cities with more disease soon. 100,000 tests have already been deployed globally to China and Taiwan mainly, and the company plans to produce a million tests a day by late April. Another concern is the potential for shortages in supplies needed to make these test kits work, including the nasopharyngeal swabs, the reagents that you need to do the tests, and pipettes for transferring samples. These shortages in these supplies 
supplies may impact the number of tests that can be run around the country. Regional shortages have caused pop-up drive-through testing clinics in Minnesota to close down prematurely and have also limited health care workers on the front lines from getting tested. State departments of public health are rationing out swabs to different counties as they become available. Puritan Medical Products is one of the leading manufacturers of nasopharyngeal swabs used in testing, and they're working nonstop to supply increasing demand. A 3D printing company in Boston called Form Labs is optimizing a 3D printed design of the nasal swabs in collaboration with doctors at USF Health and Norwell Health to help meet demands as well. Although the U.S. now leads the world in total number of tests performed at slightly more than a million as of today, April 1st, the U.S. lags behind many other nations in their tests per capita. Our per capita testing rate of 3,300 people per million may be falsely lowered by the fact that some states don't necessarily report negative tests, but we still trail far behind nations successfully managing their testing programs. Per our world in data, as of the last day of March, Italy has conducted 8,500 tests per million Italians, and South Korea is close behind with about almost 8,000 tests per million citizens. The leader in testing per capita is Iceland. In coordination with the biotech company Decode Genetics, Iceland has managed to test more than 5% of their population. Their per million per capita testing rate is 53,600 tests, compared to ours at 3,000. Iceland is one of the relatively rare nations who test asymptomatic patients. Interestingly, they have found that about half of their positive tests are in asymptomatic patients. Icelandic authorities are encouraging mass quarantine of the general public to slow transmission. It's good that testing is finally ramping up, but unclear how long it will take for tests to be available to a larger percentage of the general public, and what, more importantly, the public health role of testing will now be. In the weeks to come, state and local public health authorities will likely need to tailor their testing, isolation, and, where it's still possible, contact tracing to regional conditions. We'll be following up this story in days to come with a look at evolving evidence on the degree and significance of asymptomatic carriage and transmission. Until then, thank you for listening, and special thanks to Mason Tuttle and Nate Novotny for researching and writing this story.